Escape from Plan A. Escape. Escape. Hi everyone, welcome back to another episode of Escape from Plan A. Uh, this is your host for this week, uh, Q. And for this episode, we're also going to have Mike back on the episode. Uh, how's it going, Mike? Uh, pretty good. Thank you for having me here. Absolutely. Uh, what's grinding your gears this week? What's going on? This week, we're going to talk about um, this book called Inventing Reality, the Politics of News Media, written by Michael Parenti. Um, I think it should be recommended reading because it talks about how the U.S. media um, often helps play into the interests of the state. And um, as Asian diaspora, it can help us um, realize how U.S. media gets in the way of us standing in the way of solidarity with our homelands. Yeah, that's a really interesting um, observation. I think this book really puts like a framework for us to be able to have more interesting conversations about why diaspora uh, believe the way that they believe the things that they do and then how they end up segmenting themselves based on the things that they believe. Um, I think this book also provides a lot of explanatory power um, behind like the types of dialogue that we see in the diaspora currently, um, especially when we consider these conversations about like why parents in a lot of diaspora, especially in the Viet diaspora, uh, tend to be like Trump supporters. And you can see that kind of like dialogue occur between uh, the first generation and the second generation. But there is no like framework to explain why um, those kind of beliefs are manifested consciously and almost um, like perpetuated by like the system of news media itself. And I think this book does a good job of explaining why that's the case. Yeah. Um, so I guess we should just go right into like what the actual text, you know, like it, it has a lot of important things to think about. Like um, in the, in the first chapter, he writes that for many people, an issue does not exist until it appears in the news media. Indeed, what we even define as an issue or an event, what we see and hear and what we do not see and hear are greatly determined by those who control the communications world be it peace protesters, uprisings, Latin America, crime, poverty, or defense spending, few of us know of things except as they are depicted in the news. Even when we don't believe what the media say, we are still hearing or reading their viewpoints rather than some other. And um, it kind of speaks to like how like the mainstream news media is because it has this great status and image of credibility. We are more skeptical of any source that challenges their narrative than what the narrative that has always already been presented to us, if that makes any sense. Yeah, for sure. I think a really good example of that is uh, the recent uprisings that have happened across the country, and in particular in Portland right now. Um, a lot of like when you talk to older folks, especially in the diaspora, they always refer to like what they see on the local news and how that's kind of like the objective source for what's going on in the world. And they're always like lamenting, oh, look at all this property damage. Look at, you know, um, all these businesses losing their life savings and stuff. But what they don't see 
is you know the on the ground footage that usually makes itself uh, apparent on places like Twitter, where you see like police beating the shit out of protesters and tear gassing people like there's no tomorrow. You know, there's no like um, you know weight given to the first person's perspective because the kind of parameters of what is acceptable or for what the dominant narrative is, is always established by local news, uh, national news syndicates, uh, people who kind of stand to maintain the status quo. Another example of this, I think, is how um, certain stories that should be bigger than they actually are kind of get overlooked because like, it feels like we're trained or like conditioned to view these kind of events as like in in a vacuum, like completely separate from each other. Like I think, um, like when we hear about uh, in the news a lot now, like if you look up anything about China, like you hear, you know, the first thing is like the situation in Xinjiang, and you know, like their situation with the Uyghurs. But then, you know, but then like people dug up an article back in twenty eighteen, I think by. CBS, and it was about how the United States was targeting Uyghur militants in Afghanistan that were members of like, you know, separatist um, extremist groups. When we hear about shit about Uyghurs now, we don't think about to that article we heard about in 2018. We think they're completely separate from each other, or we don't remember that kind of news in the first place. Right. The way that news media perpetuates itself is it wants these events to be completely isolated from away from each other. There's no like systemic factors that might explain why America wants to target these individuals, but uh, that's like swept under the rug insofar as an enemy of the state, quote unquote, now is kind of dehumanizing them. I guess like the counter argument that's being made is like, um, especially amongst like liberals is like, this just sounds like whataboutism, right? Like that's this new like hot trigger word is whenever you try to compare or talk about like human rights abuses abroad by countries like China. You're if you bring it back to things that the United States does, you're always hit with the condemnation. Like, oh, th- that's just what aboutism. You're just deflecting away from something that's like objectively bad. Well, I consider. Well, that's you know when you say someone is using what aboutism, that kind of already is like a way for you to like absolve yourself of accountability. I think like you. You have this pretense of thinking of the moral high ground to speak on something. And then when someone tries to, you know, pull that out from under you, you're going to get, you're going to still try to maintain that any way you can, you know? Yeah, that's right. It assumes that the perspective that you occupy is the one that's correct, no matter what. And any criticism uh, shouldn't matter because like there are more pressing concerns. So like in the context of this situation, saying that like, uh, you know, we should objectively care about this human rights abuse, no matter what, absolves us of the fact that like previously American empire also like attempted to uh, target these individuals for basically the same reasons. But because, you know, it's not geopolitically convenient for us to admit that, then it's like ignored. That's a really good point that you made. Um, I think it also lends itself to kind of undercutting what uh, Parenti talks about in this book, which is like the idea of comparative analysis, because when you say that, like, what aboutism is a way for us to never be able to critique America, it then lends itself to this kind of idea of moral superiority, where America 
always absolving someone else or trying to always like, you know, go to other countries to spread democracy and stuff like Parenti does a good job of explaining how um, America kind of uses this like hegemony of uh, ethics to justify the ways that it intervenes in other countries. Yeah. And, things like and that. you know, because of whatever the United States did not, decides to denounce his enemy at the time, you know, like uh, Parenti writes about how while denouncing the U.S., uh, sorry, the Soviet Union as a menace to civilization, the U.S. press manifested an open admiration for fascism in Italy and a hopeful tolerance of Nazism in Germany. You know, like, I, I think the New York Times, they they post, they, they, had, they had published an article that depicted Adolf Hitler in a positive light at the time, I think. Um, yeah, they called him like the temperate Hitler or like the toned down Hitler yeah. or something like that. And, you know, and, and Parenti uh, writes that because unlike the Soviets, Mussolini and Hitler were not attacking the capitalist system, but they both, you know, murdered leftists and imprisoned dissenters and abolished all democratic political organiza- organizations, including opposition political parties and newspapers. But because they were doing this these things in a right-wing way, the, it didn't attack the interests of the U.S. or the U.S. press. So they encouraged it instead because they were doing things that mm-hmm. what the U.S. already ide- ideologically deems as enemies. Yeah, I mean, that, that, I think Parenti in this book uh, does a really good job of like demystifying a lot of the myths that we hear about these situations. Like, like in the context of World War II specifically, we're always told that like America was this you know savior who was reluctant to enter the war, but then after like Pearl Harbor, they needed to find a way to like fight against imperial powers and stuff. When in reality, uh, America was very content with being out of the war because it served their interests to be able to you know play both sides. In particular, Parenti discusses how like. Um, like uh, Ford Motor Corporation, like really enjoyed having like a good relationship uh, with Mussolini and Hitler's uh, regime in particular, because that allowed for them to be able to like manufacture cars and uh, be able to increase their profit line. So like talking about like the case of moral superiority, like all of that gets washed under the rug. um, And now, you know, we're led to believe that America was this like bastion of freedom that, you know, attempted to free the Jews from the Holocaust when, you know, America turned away Jewish refugees uh, during this time period. Like it's a very convenient way for us to selectively choose, pick and choose uh, what ideas support this notion of American hegemony. And it's like, it's not, he, he discusses it in the context of like, like being selective and not necessarily in like a deliberate way, but insofar as the news media is able to kind of set the parameters for what is acceptable, it's extremely unacceptable to critique America and American institutions, and especially American institutions during wartime. Mm-hmm.